All right, guys, this is Adam Hendershot. I'm coming at you live from Anchor and YouTube. I'm recording this um, for all you people that you can't, you can't see us. We're in the mm-hmm. local library right now. Yep. Um, really ready to get this podcast launched. Yeah. So really, um, I, I didn't even say the name of it yet. The name <laughs> of the podcast, <laughs> the name of the podcast is Futurist, right? And I mean, I, I think a good way to start is just what what is a futurist? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think it's a term that I, I'm a, I assume most people haven't heard. Um, so based on Google, um, Google's really smart. Thanks. And what what Google's telling me is that a futurist is an adherent of futurism. Or the second definition is a person who studies the future and makes predictions about it based on current trends. So for this, I feel like you probably want to go with the second definition yeah. more more so for your for this podcast sure. yeah yep cool yeah and, and really my goal is to bring you know entrepreneurs economists scientists artists um, musicians uh, what whatever it may be um, bring people on the show that can give insight um, into their industry through the lens of well really what it is it's looking at the lens with it's looking at the future through the lens of like these different disciplines and kind of just exploring what really what we can expect to see so my first guest name is zachary hendershot um he's my brother he is a musician Mm -hmm. he's an actor Mm -hmm. he is a comedian at heart at heart not 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 (laughs) not not for real yet i think i will i will i'll i'll delve into that path i think he's he's a he's a legit um comedian but (laughs) he won't you won't get on stage. Well, yeah. What's up with that? What, what do you see this year for mm. yourself? Speaking of the future, what do you see? No, that's a good. That's a good question. This year, that's a good as question. As far as comedy, because I know that's something that you've been dancing around with. So. It is. It is. And, and the thing is, I follow. I follow so many different comedians, and I and I really like stay up to date with a lot of a lot of comedians in the comedy world. But I I suppose. I'm using something as an excuse. Now, there are good excuses and bad excuses, but they're both excuses. Sure. This might be a good excuse, but it's still an excuse. The comedy scene around here is not anything special. There's not a really specific kind of comedy scene in the Quad City area. Now, there are places that hold open mic nights, so that's why I say it's not really a good excuse, because there are places. Um, I guess I don't. I don't really know. I don't have a. I don't really have that good of a reason, man. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm a little just apprehensive about it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is a very, um, it's a very raw art. It's a very, definitely. you definitely bear your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, like with music, like even, I don't know, well, obviously I've been doing music for a long time. For mm-hmm. those who do not know, which will be most yeah, of you listening. Go ahead, and, go ahead and shoot everyone your resume. <laughs> so then they have some content. Well, I was going to set this back and say that you both, both of us are, have, have been musicians our whole life. And, and so basically I started playing the violin when I was, Six or seven years old, something like that. I saw a rodeo clown. Told my mom I liked I liked the fiddle, and she she got me one. So I started doing that, and then that that was I was an athlete when I was a kid too. But then as I got older, I kind of had to decide which which thing was gonna suit me better, and I figured I could go a lot further with music. I was right. Uh, I ended up getting a full scholarship to college to play violin and sing opera music, but. Something didn't. I don't know if something didn't feel right, or if I wasn't. I don't think I was maybe ready for it at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was fully ready for, um, like, 
for people who don't know what like being a music major is like, it's not just like some cutesy. You're just playing tunes and you're like doing this little. You know, I had to practice hours every day for voice. I had to practice hours every day for for violin, not including all the different groups I was in for those things. Music theory is you know, mm-hmm. and again, and that's just curriculum you're talking about. This is just this is just music curriculum right here. Right. Um, and then I had to take all my you know gen eds and whatnot. And again, I feel somewhat like a bitch sometimes when I can not complain, but I talk about that because it's like, I saw all kinds of other people doing it, mm-hmm. but I think it took a long time for me to accept <clears throat> that that wasn't necessarily what was for me. But Well, and I don't, I mean, I don't want to dig this stuff up too much, but ahead, you said man. that was a care. part in your life where you were not feeling no, sweet. Super... No, specifically dig that up, man, because <clears throat> yeah, I sure. think people need to hear about this. People well, need to... Well, it sounds like you were, I mean, I mean, obviously I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, yeah, you, right, you were right, depressed right. at that time, right? I, I mean, was, I was, I was... More so than you, you have been. Oh yeah, and for people who know me, I'm a very positive person. I'm a very happy person. Um, so, so I mean, I was man. I was I was in I was in. Well, this this ties in exactly into this podcast, man. You know what? I didn't fucking see anything in my future. I didn't see anything. There was nothing concrete there. I had all these friends who were. So, oh, I can't wait to be in you know exercise science to be a. So you just know. so just to speak on that. Yeah. For a second. Yeah. Um, I heard. I think. I think it was Grant Cardone who says. Um, Uncle Grant. Yeah, Grant. Grant's pretty cool. I, I. For those of you who don't know, he's a real estate mogul down south. Uh, he's got thousands of units. Mm-hmm. Does he's very creative, very intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he. Uh, his whole philosophy is: if you want to buy ten unit apartment, buy a hundred instead. Yeah, Ten yeah, x yeah. whatever he's, you're going to do. He's so, go bigger. Don't even leave the house. Like exactly. Go big always. I. So I. I really appreciate that, mm-hmm. that about him. But something that he said that really resonated with me was that. A person feels depressed when their dreams or their goals don't line up with their actions. Mm. Mm. So, and, and I think that can really get rough because I think a lot of people may not even know what the fuck their dream is. And that's exactly and that, that's no. layers of of you know figuring out your identity. Yes, digging and understanding things about your past that make you who you are. Well, and honestly, your identity and creating your future based on this unique personality, these unique skills and values that you have. So well, that's the um, thing. I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't have anything going forward that I could see myself. Like I didn't know what my dreams necessarily were. Here's the thing. I have a lot of interests mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I just am interested in a lot of things. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to, I want to travel the world and, and, you know, see wildlife everywhere. I, I, I want know, to honestly that like that part about you reminds me a lot of um, our grandpa. Mm. Yes, grandpa. I agree with Henry that. Henry Sabosky. Mm-hmm. So he's one of the best humans, I think. Yeah, pretty sure. Um, he's he's just a guy like he <laughs> he's one of those dudes that grew up in the Great Depression. Yeah, he he understands how to put in a full day's work like he yeah he's, man, he's a guy he, that if he's not doing something getting something done it's just well he feels like he's a waste he feels like it's a he's a waste of space if yeah. he's not creating or fixing or or exploring because he reads every day mm-hmm. something new that he's never read before every day yeah he he's actually, 80 he'll be 88 this month he showed me this 89 month. sorry he'll be 89 Wait, this 89 month. really he was born in 1930 bro shit Okay, that's an old man. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, that's a beast. Getting, that's getting up there, man. That's that's, that's real experience. <laughs> yeah, you talk about life experience, Shit. bro. That's a lot of days. <laughs> that's a lot. Of, in the you know, great in the, in the great words of Tom Segura, how many fucking days are there? <laughs> but uh, to speak on Grandpa Sabosky for a yeah. second, he uh, he gave me this uh, this article about 
Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Mm. And this line, this interview line or whatever, this response will always uh, stick out to me because the interviewer was asking Jeff, oh, you know, or it wasn't even asking. I think it was an instance where he said, well, congratulations on the numbers this, you know, second Mm. quarter, you know, record-breaking numbers. And Jeff is like, what do you, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what numbers came out this quarter. I'm, right now I'm living in, the third quarter of 2022 <laughs> like literally he's like, he's like this this week that's what i'll be doing he doesn't even know what's happening right now so that's wow what, it's like and, and, that's, and that's and when you think about a huge that, company man and when you think about that the implications of that it's like there are literally people that to like to build our future there there have to be people that are futurists there have to be people that are looking at these current trends mm. and literally living in the future making assumptions and engineering their future you know, and that's just pretty heavy stuff, man. Super heavy stuff. It's really I mean, heavy. The, the only way that Jeff is able to do that is by understanding, like, the competitive marketplace. Mm-hmm. By under, I mean, he just has to be an expert. I mean, he he understands all the market trends. I mean, at this point, he's controlling the market trends. Yes. You know, so um, I I mean, I I feel like I'm talking above my head at this point. But no, I don't. But I, he's just no, he's just really next level as far as creating the future. Because that that line really did it to me. It was like he's planning four, you know, four or five years out in advance, yeah. planning what moves they're going to make, what companies they're going to buy, which ones they're going to sell off. You know, that's and that's some heavy shit. That is. <laughs> well, and you know, it's very interesting to me too. It, and you think about how many companies like that are innovating, and how many how many people are leading those companies. Um, people that are standing in the future and, and, and looking back to now. Yeah. Think about how many people live in the past. Oh, God. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to focus on this. I don't want to focus about on that. But I think it's important to also oh, bring matter. up the amount of people who literally live in the past, in their own past, in the past of the company they're in or the country they live in or the, 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 the type of groups that they're involved with. They mm-hmm. live in the past and... Not only is that just like, it's not productive, but it, it's specifically harmful, I think. Well, I, I think it breeds depression because... Of course it does. I think like balancing the past and the future with your present is really the key. Cause yeah, don't get it twisted. The past is important. We have to right. learn from our mistakes in exactly. the past. But. Well, and something that I, that I learned from somewhere, but I've just kind of kept with me is that, you know, dwelling too much on the past breeds depression. Mm-hmm. Focusing too much on the future... Anxiety. Oh, I didn't even hear that, and I knew what you're. Oh, that duh. Of course it does. Because mm-hmm. because anxiety really is like the fear of the future and the fear the of the un- unknown. The unknown, and yep. you're just like, you know, you'd rather be in a safe environment. You'd ra- rather not take risks. You yeah, know, where you're comfortable. Right. And I- exactly. So it's like, I, at least for myself, like balancing the past and the future. It's been really just using these big life events in my past. Mm-hmm understanding how those events make me who I am my you know establishing my core values mm-hmm. and then understanding my <clears throat> excuse me and then understanding my core values and under and basically planning the future that I mm-hmm. want to see and and really for the future that's really all it is it's just planning working from a calendar and executing it's just taking action on whatever you know reverse engineered goal that you lay out so it's like you know, there, there is a perfect balance of living in the mm-hmm. past, you know, the past and the future. Oh, absolutely you know? there is. And, um, and, 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 and I, yeah, I wanted to make it 
yeah, abundantly clear that obviously I'm not saying don't ever examine your past because right. it is it is important to to but see, see the patterns of I how mean, you act. And the, the way that I look at it, you should spend maybe 10% of your time planning for the future and thinking mm. about the past mistakes. And you should spend 90% of the time executing in the present on the dream or the goal that you want to achieve. Yeah, now you should, that's, be, that's exe- my belief. Now you should be executing in the present on behalf of the future, though. Exactly. No, based that's on the exa- plan. Based, based on, on the, the plan, plan for what the future will be. And, based and, on the 5% of the time that you spend planning, <laughs> yeah. the other 90% you spend executing. Yes, and, and that's, and that's know, a big thing that's, is... I, a lot of people have incredible ideas of the future. And I mean, I think I fall into this stuff as well. I think everybody does of, of kind of not having illusions of grandeur, but like kind of spending more time fantasizing about the future than, than necessarily executing in the present because the future is intoxicating. Mm-hmm. Honestly, especially if you have a, a good mindset, which we've developed a pretty good mindset in the last couple of years through entrepreneurship and whatnot. But it, it it's really, it's really it can be very detrimental because yeah. if, if you don't spend, if you spend a lot of time executing or if you spend a lot of time planning and not a lot of time executing, even though you're gaining a lot of knowledge in your brain, you're, you're going to be falling behind. And that, well, that brings me to Dan Pena really quick. Dan Pena. Oh my God. Now, now if you don't know about Dan <laughs> Pena, he's definitely not for all of you. <laughs> he's not for everybody. He is probably, honestly, probably the most intense yeah, well, figure and, and just, just for context, he's <laughs> you know Gary Vee, he's the type of guy, he, his audience is the guy or the girl that can't get out of bed. He, yep. It's the guy or the girl that keeps watching his videos but can't take action. They, they feel uh-huh. a sense of purpose. They know they want more with their lives, but yep. they're just not doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Now, Dan Pena, <laughs> he's working with people that... You know, from a lot of people's standards, I've already made it. They, Wildly already, successful in you know, most very, people's eyes. Very successful, eyes. you know, engineers, um, very successful Some business CEOs, owners. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, CEOs. I mean, but really, when you go there, you're just another piece of shit to him. Yep. Literally. You know, and, and, and I know that sounds, I mean, that sounds really brash. No, it, it, it's, it's, it sounds really nice compared to how Dan talks. Right. So, <laughs> no, it really does, man. That dude is not nice. Uh, but he's awesome, and I love the guy. Yeah. Well, but yeah. So he was talking about, he, he, t- he talked, he remembers this young guy coming up to him. He's in his 20s, and he's like, yeah, I've read, I don't remember the number, but he's like, yeah, I've read probably 300 books on self-development. And Dan exclaimed loudly, I didn't even fucking know there was 300 books on self-development. I think I've read 10 books and I've read them all 10 times. That's it. Well, that makes sense to me. It makes sense to me too. Yeah, I mean that to me that like Cuz you get most... analysis, you get paralysis by analysis, man. If mm-hmm. you just if you just read about what you could do because then what you do is you actually put so much pressure on yourself that it becomes impossible to begin to execute. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. a that's a tough sentence right there, but it's really important. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people, I'm going to say it again. Sometimes it's important to know less. It is, man. I'm sorry, but naivete is sometimes not naivete, but like having a certain sense of like false hope in a way. Not yeah. even, not even false hope, but just going against the the odds. Yeah, based on statistics. never tell me the odds. Like statistics. Go Han Solo on it, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's well, the thing. Do you think? Be- I, obviously, Bezos is focused on numbers. He's focused on these. You think he really cares about the odds? He's like, no, if he feels something, man, if he feels something, he's well, going for that. Well, I mean, the thing about statistics, it's completely based on history. Exactly. And it's not based on first principle thinking, which in first, for people that don't I was going to say, yeah, please. First principle them. thinking is really what the best problem solvers 
in the world use, right? I mean, well, let's, can we pull up a definition of first principle mm-hmm. thinking? Sweet. Um, basically, here, I'll wait for the definition, but, you know, Elon Musk is a huge proponent mm. of this framework for thinking and solving problems. So if you want to read that definition, Basically, please. a first principle is a basic foundational self-evident proposition or assumption that cannot be deduced from any other proposition or assumption. So... Here, let me. You, you were just talking about Elon yeah. Musk. Let me bring up this article. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me. I think I've seen this. Yeah, he, he's talking about like a three-step um, problem-solving track. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's really what it is. It's it's breaking down a problem to its most bare parts and really mm-hmm. to what it is in its in its core. Mm-hmm. And the point behind all of it is that there's never a problem that's too big to solve. No, there's right? not. So well, let's read this quote by um, from Elon real quick. First of all, this is from um, the the website, a medium corporation. The uh, the author is uh, Mayo Ocean. So thank you very much. Ocean. 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 O-S-H-I-N. Sorry if we mispronounced your name. No, I just want to give you credit, homie. I just want to yeah. give you credit. You know? I got you. Thank you. Stealing so this shit. is what Musk says about, about okay. this. So... What Musk says is, well, I do think there's a good framework for thinking. It is physics. Huge. It's huge here. You know, the sort of first principles reasoning, generally I think there are, okay, he talks kind of weird. You know how he talks. He thinks that you can boil things down to their fundamental truths and reason up from there as opposed to reasoning by analogy. And reasoning by analogy is literally what I was just saying. It's looking at other instances where people tried a certain thing or did a certain thing. Like he, like when Elon Musk is starting Tesla when he wants to make, um, when he wants to make uh, electric cars, he's not thinking, have people produced, have people produced batteries for cars like this at a massive rate? No, they haven't. I mean, electric cars have been made at that point, but it had never been mass produced like this. But when he's solving a problem, he doesn't think of it in terms as, of you know what's a proven model or what has been done before yeah. he's he's breaking it down to the most bare part of what the problem is in reverse engineering it. Well, use this as an example then. Use use Tesla as an example because we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. What was the issue with that and how did he solve that? What was the issue with electric cars? Well, Why issue, was it so hard to do? Well, I mean, all of the skeptics were basically just saying, I mean, I'm paraphrasing of yes. course. I don't know a ton of the details, but from what I know, it it was just too expensive to produce that many batteries in in the type of volume that he needed to to make the cars affordable. Mm. So that's why in the first couple of rounds of Tesla when they were selling the cars, you know, they're selling for a hundred grand, sixty, seventy, eighty grand, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the reason he's able to get the cost down, he's able to sell a vision and a dream to investors, yep. right? And then he's also able to produce because of these gigafactories. He he said, okay, well. No one else has, you know, made these batteries affordable. The before. batteries were the big problem at the yeah. beginning, I believe. Well, yeah, with it's, the manufacturing. It's, it's, the ion, it's the lithium ion batteries. Mm-hmm. There's the, they didn't think that there was enough of that, or I, I don't know exactly what they thought the problem was. Well, I think part of it was the <clears throat> gas and oil was trying to. Well, I mean, I think that's part of it, but <laughs> just but a I, little bit. But I but I think I people tend to just look at things based on what's been done. If before. I disappear, blame Exxon. But but the the thing is about Elon, like he. He looked at the problem and he said, okay, I'm not doing this to, to, to just make cars to make money. No. He's doing it to, to make car these kind of cars affordable for everyone. So, so what he did to solve this problem of sustainability and transportation 
you just say, okay, well, you know, we need to make these batteries more affordable. Well, we're just going to make the biggest factories that have ever existed, period. He did that. He did do that. So, mm-hmm. so, and that's literally a testament to say, I mean, there's literally never a problem too big to solve. Oh. So that's how you build the future. I mean, building the future is going into the completely unknown and entrusting first principle, you know, thinking framework and understanding that any problem can be reverse engineered, broken down to its most bare, to the most bare form of the problem. Well, let's run through these steps so, really quick. Yeah, please. Um, step one is identify and define your current assumptions. And here's a, a, a really cool quote from uh, the great Albert Einstein. If I had an hour to solve a problem, I would spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about solutions. Interesting. Now, that's one of the goats right there saying that. It's one of the all-time brain, brain, you know, powerhouses. Yeah. That's very interesting, though, because I think a lot of... What do you think about that? How do you feel about that? That, well, that It's kind of funny because it's, it's very contrary. It's also hard to think about well, things how he would think about them oh, right. from our perspective. Right. But he was a he was an ultra visionary. Super so. genius. So, yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of contrary to what I was what I've been saying lately and what I've been really feeling lately is that I agree. If you, if you have a problem, you know, re- I mean, and I think it really does come down to how big the problem actually is. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think if you if you have a problem, I don't know. It, it would be my assumption that you'd spend little time thinking about it and more time executing on possible solutions and then testing those solutions. That makes sense in my brain. And I mean, I think there's different strokes for different folks, but I mean, with Albert Einstein, I think he was he was he was solving problems that were theoretical science problems yeah, he, so, so it, it's just he, a yeah, little he bit was doing more, different kind of work so yeah when you're he had to break things down to such a such a base level yeah. it was like the base of how like yes. the universe works well and, like, and what the kind of work he was doing it's almost 100 percent based on just thinking it's just it based on it concepts is. yes yes because True, correct. theory can only be tested by science and science can only be tested by technology so. yes um, so, I mean, I mean, we know now that the theory of relativity, it really should be called the law of relativity because we use it in our technology. It's mm-hmm. something that we understand very well. Um, you know, it's gone past the scientific, you know, stages in testing whether or not this is a real thing. Right. It's in our technology. It's in our satellites. Um, the theory of relativity is very well known in the science community now. Yes. So, it, I just think that's really interesting. I think at that theoretical phase, I think... It does take a lot more thinking, I a agree. lot less executing. I would agree. On, I mean, no. For example, day, like we, like we, we, for again, for those of you who do not know, we work in real estate. Mm-hmm. Now, in real estate, I don't think we need to spend fifty-five minutes thinking about the problem. No, we no, should no. spend most of our time thinking mm-hmm. about the solutions. I think because the that, problems we have are much simpler. Of course the they are. Of course. So <laughs> it's about it's about one property in one city. It's right. like that's not. We can figure that out. We should spend most of the time figuring out how to fix it. Right. We're, we're, the the answers that we come up with are not going to necessarily right now end up changing the course of human history. <laughs> Hopefully they will someday. They'll, they'll, they'll I'm trying to do some people's history. Yes, they will. No, yeah, you know, you're right. Just not hey, I take that. I take that back. It's not everyone's history. It's not everybody. Yeah. Um, so then, here's something cool. So when next time you're faced with a familiar problem or challenge, simply write down your current assumptions about them. Now I think this is really important. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go into 
an interview with preconceived notions. They go into and it, like growing by business will cost a lot of money. I have to struggle and starve to become a successful artist. I just can't find enough time to work out, reach my weight loss goals. Mm-hmm. Mo- high high performing people would say bullshit to all those. Well, and and I think the concept here is really that if you go into something with that mindset, it yeah. really will be true. Of course, because people. What 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 you think about and how you conceptualize things? Well, this and if you, it, if anyone that creates the world you live in, right? And why? If, if any of you guys really understand what the law of attraction is, this is mm-hmm. kind of it's exactly that. what it is. It's kind of touching on that mm-hmm. because if you in your mind when you're going to start a business or solve a problem for a customer and you and you think, you know, just based on this example here, mm-hmm. I mean, it's saying, oh man, running my business will cost a lot of money. I don't have any money. Jerry bums me out just well, reading that. But what what I'm saying is. If you're going into an opportunity, if you're going into solving a problem with that mindset, and that's your and that's your assumption, you're not going to see opportunities to operate with a low amount of startup cost. You're not going to see right. the opportunity um, to work with other people that may have money. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna see business within the frame of having. You know, there's four types of currency, right? So mm-hmm. you're not going to see that there's relationships, there's knowledge. And there's time, yep. and you can trade those things for money. People people think about so yeah, think if, about if you go into if if you go into the problem thinking oh well it's going to cost too much money so it just it's just not going to work and that's going to be true for you. Well, you've not, already you're, decided you're not going to see the opportunities that are outside of that reality. Nope. So nope. I, I think really the, I mean it just seems like changing or just identifying what your assumptions are before you get to even identifying what the fundamental problem is in the first place. Anyways, go, go ahead to step two. Yeah. Step two is break down the problem into its fundamental principles. It is important to view knowledge as sort of a semantic tree. Make sure you understand the fundamental principles, i.e. the trunk and big branches, before you get into the leaves or details, or there is nothing for them to hang on to. Hmm. So these fundamental principles are basically the most basic truths or elements of anything. The best way to uncover these truths is to ask powerful questions that uncover these ingenious gems. Here's another quick example from Elon during an interview with Kevin Rose on this, how this works. This, this is, kind is kind of what we were talking about. Yeah, so this, this is going to go into more detail than what I was talking about with the battery packs. Somebody could say, battery packs are really expensive and that's just the way they always will be. Historically, it has cost $600 per kilowatt hour. It's not going to be much better than that in the future. Well, with first principles, you say, what are the material constituents of the batteries? What is the stock market value of the material constituents? It's got cobalt, nickel, aluminum, carbon, some polymers for separation, and a seal can. Break that down on a material basis and say, if we bought that on the London Metal Exchange, what would each of these things cost? It's like $80 per kilowatt hour. So clearly you just need to think of clever ways to take those materials and combine them into the shape of a battery cell and you can have batteries that are much, much cheaper than anyone realizes. So, so from $600 per kilowatt hour to $80 per kilowatt hour, that's many, many, many times cheaper. And that's just him reverse engineering the value chain of building a battery. That's literally him looking back and saying, okay, well, if each one of these little um, materials or uh, what they call minerals, the, yep. um, you know, h- how much does that cost all these little parts? And then what would it cost for us to put them together? And he found out if we make 
these big factories and produce these in scale and you know buy just buy a lot of <laughs> the constituents we can run the cost down and make the batteries yep. more affordable yep. so i mean that's just a good example of how to use first principles thinking and yep. you can literally apply that to any problem in your life break it down to mo its most simple parts mm -hmm. and so step, step three. three is yep. create new solutions from scratch the person who says he knows what he thinks but cannot express it usually does not know what he thinks that is a quote by Mortimer Adler. That's a saucy quote, dude. Once you've identified and broken down your problems or assumptions into their most basic truths, you can begin to create new insightful solutions from scratch. It's true. Again, like, let's find one of these examples here. I wanted to continue with Musk. Oh, but they mm. didn't say a couple other examples. Anyway, we can kind of take this. It, it just sounds like basically crafting your own solution based on the unique problem that's in front of you. Because yep. even even if you have a business and you're working with different clients, each client will have a slightly different problem. You're, you're gonna have to use different skills, you're gonna have to use different resources to help them with that problem, but you're never going to, going to identify any of those problems and you're, you're not even gonna be able to identify those problems if you don't change your assumptions going into the problem in the first place. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is really just, I mean, it, it's a way to literally plan the future. Mm -hmm. It's a way to solve problems in everyday life. First principles yep. thinking really is kind of the backbone of building the future and solving it future is. problems. Well, and that's what so, I was going to come back to is the fact that, like, you, you Elon Musk is, is, is another guy who's definitely not focused on what's going on in, the te in, in, in his factory that day. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? He's well, he's. I, I think he is to a certain extent. He is. He is. But well, you have to be. You have to be realistic about what's actually happening at that moment. But he also he definitely lives in the future, man. Oh yeah. In in, in terms of his mindset and, and where he's drawing his ideas from, he's predicting what people will need, and he knows that people are going to move away from self driving. Well, and he's one of the They're biggest... They're going to move to self-driving vehicles. Yeah, he's one of the entrepreneurs, scientists that's most plugged into um, or most uh, active in the transfer from the second to the third industrial revolution. I mean, he's... That's, he's a, good, of, that's a good little thing here mm -hmm. to talk about. Yeah, that, that is a good um, transition there. I mean, and what I was just talking about, what, what we're talking about is the third industrial revolution. And a lot of this show... A lot of the themes of this show will dance around the Third Industrial Revolution. Um, you know, when we're talking about the future here, we're talking about um, really the technologic, technological, um, you know, changes that we're going to see in the next yep. 20 to 30 years and how that's fundamentally going to change the way that everyone um, lives and how we're, we're going to kind of go from a nationalist kind of separated um, societies into kind of like a world neighborhood in a way that's that's what i see and i do i do really like that honestly mm -hmm. um and and i think the the there, there's a slight distinction between there, there, there are a couple different ways people i guess conceptualize this happening i don't see it being like a utopia necessarily i don't see it necessarily being like because again a lot of people want things to be very socialist uh, I don't want to get too political, but what it's going to do is not, it's not going to be... It'll leverage socialist 
concepts and ideas for sure. Yes, it will. It will. But it will not be fundamentally socialist in, in, in its whole. Well, it'll, it'll draw from fundamental principles mm-hmm. of socialism, which is sharing. it'll be a sharing economy. Yeah. But it will not be distributed from a, no. from a vertically integrated mm-hmm. system. It'll be a cooperative system. A cooperative system. With Everybody teams. takes responsibility and ownership. Mm-hmm. And they become their own entrepreneur in a way. An entrepreneur well, of the future. In the way that it's going to work in the a future. futurist. <laughs> and the way that it's going to work is people will actually make more money. Businesses will make more money um, if they share more. And they drive the cost of energy and, and things down. You know, they're, they're, That's a big move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and really what we're moving towards, when you think about it, when we have a communication technology right now that's almost zero marginal cost. And what, what that basically means is after all of your fixed cost is taken care of, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what's that variable cost to reproduce whatever good or service you need to reproduce again? To reproduce, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what, what kind of organizational energy does that take in terms of manpower, hours, in terms of money, in terms of all the resources you need to mm-hmm. reproduce another unit of service goods? It's going to get to a point where um, the fundamental things that are that are driving the economy, like transportation, communication, and energy, they're going to be near free mm-hmm. because it's all it's a we're, we're moving towards a sustainable model that that'll basically make energy almost free. It'll make communication. I mean, it almost is free right now, really. If you have a smartphone, I mean, you can get on Facebook. You can. I mean, there's you can, so many ways you can go to. Communicate. You can go to. Uh, Let's, for an instance, if you have an iPhone and you don't even have service, you can go to wherever there's Wi-Fi, and you do. Mm-hmm. You can call people. You can text people. Yeah. Like, and, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and the biggest one that's kind of converging very closely with the with the energy mm-hmm. technology of the future is transportation. Yeah. And that, I think, personally, that, that's going to be just a huge game changer because think, think, about, think about people – that can't drive to work. Think about having a service that can get you to work with a car, a self-autonomous driving car for almost free, for a very affordable price. Think, think about the implications of, of people having access to these types of technologies. Think about you know, the, the improving in the quality of life, especially in third world countries. Yeah, wow. You know? So I, I just think... <clears throat> You know, these technologies are going to open up so many doors, not only for people who already have businesses and that need to, you know, that need to make owning a business more affordable because it's, it's hard to own a business nowadays. There's so it many is. regulations, taxes, and whatnot. It's uh, it used to be way easier to open and you know open a business. I mean, I think we have an advantage because of how we can communicate now. Mm-hmm. I think there's some advantages, some disadvantages, as opposed to the past, you know, in the present. Here's, but here's, here's what I, I, I just, know. yeah, I, I just think, I just think this is going to be the biggest opportunity for social entrepreneurship. So social entrepreneurism, in like the whole world, it's going to be a, mm-hmm. a movement where we're really taking ownership of the the main things that move our our lives. Well, you know, and what I was going to say, like, it's just going to even the playing field, man. Mm-hmm. And, and again, in, in the end, there's always, even if there's a framework through which people can gain more for themselves in a horizontally integrated system, some people are still going to work harder than other people. And it will yeah. never be, everybody will not end up with the same things, but opportunity of 
or you know, uh, equal opportunity is different than equal outcome. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you this. <clears throat> so as we see specifically, as we start to see the communication technology advancing, getting more effective, um, mm-hmm. having a wider reach, mm-hmm. you know, welcoming more users yeah. and people that can actually support and feed into this horizontally integrated system, how do you see that affecting um, music, music industry? Um, and maybe, I mean, you can even speak on you specifically, sure. how, how you plan on leveraging and what, what kind of the trends that you see um, as a whole in the industry and, and what you, um, and how you're going to fit yourself into that future. Sure. Well, what's really, really cool to me are apps like SoundCloud and Spotify, uh, even like Anchor, man. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. like, Stuff like this really, get, again, it gives everybody an, an equal opportunity to produce their own music or show or art, whatever they're creating. So I think, <laughs> I think a couple things are ha- going to happen. One, initially there's going to be a surge of everybody trying. There's going to be a lot of, lot of terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's going to be just because everybody has the opportunity but you know what that's beautiful to me the fact that everybody now has the opportunity to and also with with technologies that you can get on an iPad that you can you can create a song on an iPad now mm-hmm. like Steve Jobs very 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 specifically created Bandcamp or uh right no 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 GarageBand sorry GarageBand Bandcamp oh Bandcamp it's another app of some kind. It's, it's like another Spotify type. Okay, thing. okay, okay. My I bad, think. my bad. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's where bands, a lot of bands start there. Yeah. GarageBand. Huh. Actually, our homie John Mayer was the one who helped him introduce it, if you didn't know that. Uh, but anyway, things like that, he, he, he could see, he was looking into the future to, to people being able to create music on, on an iPad. Not have to have a big studio. Not to have a giant studio right. and, and, and pickups and a real guitar and all the da 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 Now, I mean, part of that is hard for me as a musician, just on a technical level, just because I'm very, you know, I don't know, a purist in some ways, but it also makes me very happy because a lot of my favorite music has been produced on this kind of stuff. So, it's kind of hard to see, like, to know exactly where I want to fit myself in, but I do know this. I do know that with all of these new technologies, people like Chance the Rapper, uh, our favorite hip-hop artist, Felly, they are using this technology to not sign with the typical big record labels. Yeah, They're able to support their own record label themselves and to build. The, the best thing that, they can, that, that can be done with all this new technology is building a community. Because if you are in a band... Uh, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you had to perform everywhere in your town and get people in your town to be a fan of you. Mm-hmm. Now, you still should do that, but you can reach millions of people now mm-hmm. on Instagram, on Spotify, on... Can you talk um, a little bit about Instagram musicians and how <laughs> how that advent is really like changing the scene? Dude, there's, there is there is a... Um, there is a basically an Instagram community. I'm going to talk about one specific thing. Um, 
you know, Pick Up Jazz. Do you follow Pick Up Jazz on Instagram? Mm-hmm. It's yep. a great music page that basically just posts all kinds of amazing, generally mostly blues and jazz musicians who are very mm-hmm. funky and different things. And It started out like as a guitar, mm-hmm. you know, it, mm-hmm. it was specifically for guitar. Yep. So And now it's just, it's just blossomed into this awesome thing. They just had like an event where all their different artists that they consistently post, they came together and had an event. I don't even know exactly what was done. But it just made me so happy to see that. It was created as just this random, random, you know, just place to, to, to showcase some really cool musicians. Just mm-hmm. just little videos here and there. Mm-hmm. But now it's like growing into a company, into like right. a community. Mm-hmm. And all these people are able to support one another and, and gain followers. And a lot of these people are now able to go on go on tour. There's a there's a young guitarist. Um, this this awesome young lady. I don't know. I think she may have changed her Instagram uh, tag, but it, I think it's like Melanie Fay, the black girl with the afro. She's like sixteen, seventeen. She's going on tour now. She's mm. she's she's starting dates. Uh, you know, like putting putting out whole concert tours. Mm. And she was never even dreaming of that. Like a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. But because of Instagram, now John Mayer's giving her shout outs, and like everybody knows who she is because of Instagram. It's amazing. Well, if I. Yeah, you're good. I'm It'll still. Keep... It keeps recording if I. Mm-hmm. Out of here. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to look up this um, this young guitarist that I started following on Instagram, and she she had just oh, started. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She had just started. I and, yeah, I thought this was really amazing. Well, let me uh, find her handle here so you guys can go take a look. Um, but basically, yeah, her. So it looks like her name is Nicole Sermonara. Sermonara? Sermonara, something like that. So it's N-I-C-O-L-E-C-E-R-M-I-N-A-R-A. That is her handle. Go look her up on Instagram. She's a good old Canadian, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, she got some funky guitar stuff going on. And she made this post. um, Well, basically, her first post was back. Let me see. It was Sheesh. January 2nd of 2018 when she started this account, right? And now she has 57.9 thousand followers on Instagram, right? And she has a YouTube channel that she um, that she plugs here. Um, here, I'm, I'm going to show. Yes. Go follow her, man. Yeah, this, this is what her page looks like. She just started this page a fucking year ago. That's crazy. Here, this is what she looks like. Here, I'll play a little bit of this. Well, you can't really. Oh, I can't. Yeah, these, yeah, I have the headphones on, but she's just, she's got She's the, really talented. She's, she's got really the funky talented. guitar face, too. So she's got the whole package, you know. She's got the, looks like something stinky's under her nose. Hey, you're not really it's playing classic. guitar unless you look like you don't smell something like you got know. Got that stank face. Got that stank face. Yeah. But no, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty incredible what what you're able to accomplish now just by having a phone, pair of headphones, yeah, and, and, and these apps. Uh, it's, it's available to you. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something that Gary Vee talks about. He, he basically, because a lot of people worry about, well, I don't have the equipment. I don't have the best. Use the best thing you've got available. Yeah. Do you know how damn good these are? Yeah, these Do cameras, you know how good these are? These cameras are very quality. They're you know? super high quality. Super good. Like, people make livings as photographers with iPhones. That's fucking hilarious to me. That's a fact. That's just something that's, that's so true. Funny. Yeah. 
and and these products so, are only going to get better and better. You know, way better. IPhones, we so. don't even have the newest ones. We're like two mm-hmm. generations behind, and these are incredible. Yeah. I mean, so it's like do the job for me. I mean, yeah, it's not doing. It, there's nothing that I need to do that it doesn't do. So yeah. Well, and this and this is the same for for all forms of um, you know of entertainment. Another thing I mentioned earlier, comedy. A lot of a lot of comedy podcasts that I follow. Do you guys know what the number one uh, genre of podcasting is? Comedy. Mm. Most people probably wouldn't assume that it's comedy. It makes but sense. it's comedy. It makes sense. So, it's interesting too because stand-up comedy is going through a really interesting time because it's, it's having a huge resurgence. Like it was huge in the 80s and 90s and then there was like about 15 year gap where it was just like really weird and kind of like, I don't exactly know what happened but all I know is from listening to all these different comedians that I do is, is that comedy is having a roaring comeback. And a lot of that has to do with technology because... People don't have to go see a comedy show to see the comedy anymore. Right. Netflix is where stand-up comedians live now. Like, if you get a Netflix... Do you know how much money Dave Chappelle made from the, his Netflix specials? I don't. Dude, how much this is going to blow your damn mind. Okay. Yeah, Dave. He also just won a Grammy for stand-up special of the year last year. So hmm. he just won a Grammy. Good for him. Mm-hmm. He had a strong comeback. Oh, my gosh. He strong had a, comeback. Uh, yeah. Um, he was gone a while. Yeah, he moved to Africa. He, he just did all kinds of different stuff. So, <laughs> he he made three comedy specials for Netflix. Mm. He made $20 million on each of them. They nice. just paid him $20 million for each. Yeah. Now, all the comedians on there are not making $20 million a, well, he's a, a pop. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, a, he's legend, a legend. You know, so, so, obviously, you know, he's... Makes but sense. I'm sure Billy Burr's making that kind of cash. Mm-hmm. He better be. You know, mm-hmm. like some of those top guys are, are starting to really, really um, just just starting to, to, you're starting to be able to make a living at what you really love. Like something that irritates me is that there are people on YouTube that eat food and that's it. They have millions of followers, hundreds of thousands, if not millions. I don't know. But it's like, kind of beautiful in a way. It's, 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 it is. It is beautiful because we're at a point in the world where I, I hope most people don't have to worry about survival anymore. Now, obviously, I'm speaking from a place where I live in a first world country, and I, I know that there is suffering. I know that there are places where things are, are, are still, you know, relatively terrible to where we're at here. But in the last probably 30, 40 years, the steps that humankind has made forward are unbelievable as a whole. And, and the technologies that are helping these places in the world, all of the, you know, the different, like, Akon gave millions of millions of Africans electricity in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. All these different new new sanitation straws coming out, so then people can have drink clean water. Like these are things that people just didn't have for hundreds of years, and now they are starting to have those because of this first principle thinking. Why couldn't we distribute these straws to everybody? Well, because of whatever. But mm-hmm. now it's happening because mm-hmm. people are using. We have problem solvers. On yes, the job, you know. Yes, and. Man, it, people people are not as excited as they should be about the future, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Because let's let's take America, for example. You know what I hear a lot about? You know what I hear a lot of? Is people complaining that their political team didn't win. Or bragging that theirs did. Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of people right now are, are so scared of the future in America for whatever reason, because of who's president. But I, I don't know, man. If, if they focused on doing something on their own and following their passion, I, I don't think they'd be nearly as worried about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because they don't feel secure in the, in the thing that they're doing. And they fe- they feel like this person is going to have a, you know, adverse effect on how they live their life. Mm-hmm. But people are so scared of the future, and they see it as this scary monster. Mm-hmm. I just told, I just told someone the other day, that you should view the future as a surprise box, with only things that you want inside. Obviously, bad things are going to happen. Not everything's going to be peachy all the time. But you shouldn't expect bad things to happen. No, because if you do, they will. You'll like attract, I, You'll attract bad things into your life. You yes, know? and that goes right back to the law of attraction. I don't know the exact science about percentages of how you think, but like, if you think good stuff, more good stuff is going to happen. If you think bad stuff, more bad stuff's going to happen. I know that. Mm-hmm. I just know that. Mm-hmm. So that that's one so thing. Humans, I mean, at the end of the day, whatever your subconscious thoughts are, whatever your subconscious assumptions and beliefs are, that that will naturally unfold in your everyday actions. Your subconscious mind is the architect of your world. It's like an operating system. It is. It is. an operating system for a computer. And then you can layer over that operating system with skills, new, you know, new knowledge. Shout out to the homie Sam Ovens. Yeah. No, seriously. No, he, he, he has a great... Um, YouTube video about about this concept we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. of of layer of having having um, you know a view of your brain as an operating system, and if you don't have the proper things down here, all of the all of the apps that you put into your computer, they're not going to run well if you have a shitty operating system. Mm-hmm. And and you, you got to build your mind like like mm-hmm. a computer or like a mm-hmm. building. You know, mm-hmm. are, are you gonna are you gonna pour just a regular concrete foundation on sand? Hell no. No, man. Like that that's in the Bible somewhere. It's like a a, a wise man builds his, you know, his house upon rocks and not sand. Uh, it, you just have to have a good base, and that goes for mm-hmm. everything in your life. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the future, man, it's it's exciting to me. It's it's beautiful because. I think it's because of the equal opportunity to me. That's the most exciting thing to me is the fact that everybody is going to have an equal opportunity. Now, whether or not they will they will take advantage of that is a whole other thing because the reason that Gary Vaynerchuk gives most of his stuff away for free is because he knows that 99% of people aren't going to do jack shit about it. He'll give away his biggest secrets because he knows almost nobody's going to do anything. And can you imagine... If everybody was just doing something mm-hmm. to push the world forward, we'd live in a Star Wars world I, I, in 10 I, years, man. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think that's realistic just based on the 80-20 principle. Oh, I don't think it is either. I, I, yeah. I, I, I know science kind of proves that it's not. I mean, it, like, No, I mean 20% of any, of any part of anything that has to do with populations of people too, 20% is generally responsible for 100% of the results. Or eighty percent of the results. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. For eighty percent mm-hmm. of the results. That's 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 weird. So so that's that's like saying like in any business, like when you have employees, if you're a business owner, twenty percent of your employees will produce eighty percent of the results. 
in, in an economy, in a, in a, um, like in a whole population of people in a country, same thing. 20% of the people will produce 80% of the goods and services. That discrepancy is huge. Huge. It's a huge discrepancy. I mean, that's just the nature, that's just the nature of, of, of nature. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Of how we are. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if you want to look at it from an analogy perspective, Mm. you know, and look at it as statistics, you know, there's truth to that. And I think there, I think statistics are important, but I think, um, human productivity, I don't, I don't think that's anything that's, uh, concrete or something that has to stay the same. No, I think that that can be shifted and changed. Yeah. I think, I think people fundamentally, you know, people want to be productive. They, they, they want to have a purpose. They want to do something that they love to do. That's big. That's big right there. And a lot of people just don't have the opportunity. They weren't raised in the right environment. They don't have the right knowledge there. I mean, there's a million different reasons why not, but, um, you know, I think with more, discussions like this sharing it with the world yep i think that's really the way um that people are gonna get become more productive become yep. inspired you know take action on the idea and not think about it you know well and i'm going i'll, I'll quote jordan b peterson here and he he talks about a lot of these different kinds of things and and, and one of his biggest goals is to spread the idea of shouldering responsibility um it it it's really it's really really important he says you should not pursue happiness that is a foolish venture you should pursue what is meaningful and through that you will gain happiness mm-hmm. so people chase this future happiness as something that's like concrete and like a, mm-hmm. a, a thing that they can grab well, you know I what I mean? To, I think to speak on that too, like when people, I, like at least for me, looking back in my past and just self-reflection mm-hmm. and assuming that other people think the same, I guess, which mm-hmm. might be foolish, but, um, you know, I, I always wanted a certain discipline or a certain thing to be my thing. Yep. You know, I wanted to be a musician and I wanted to be a basketball player Yep. and I wanted to be a scientist a doctor you know there's i just went through different phases where i'm like this is the identity or this is the purpose that i want to choose like i was constantly looking for whatever that thing was but what i didn't know is i shouldn't be really looking for a specific discipline or a a little niche of business or um livelihood that's i mean all that is just details they're just things happening in the world but really what's important is finding your identity, yeah. establishing your core values, establishing your philosophies, your um, your cog- your mental cognition, you know, first principles thinking, mm-hmm. finding those frameworks like how do you think, not what do you think, and not what do you do, yes. but how do you think? Like what's what are your key assumptions about the world? Yeah, and if you can understand yourself and your purpose through your core values and what you care about fundamentally, not I care about you know dude i love madden bro well well it's not even that it's just like like whatever you feel purpose in like Mm -hmm. people like i think some people fundamentally feel purpose in like if they grew up in a family that takes care of horses they feel a sense of purpose and legacy towards like horses 100 percent. but 
I think a lot of people don't have that. They don't no. have that tradition to follow, and they're they're almost like, oh shit. Well, I have a legacy to leave, but I don't know what that legacy is. Yeah, I don't know what it is. The problem is they're too focused on whatever that specific niche is. You know, no, they, they no, bounce like, from thing to thing, trying all these different things, and it's like, and I think that's fine. I think it's fine to throw lots of things at the wall and see what sticks. But I think you should spend more time self-reflecting. Who are you? Who are you? Yeah, who are fundamentally you? as a person. And then kind of look at the world and say, okay, what problems can I solve? What value can I provide can to I the fit? world yeah, where, yeah. that fits with my identity and what I care about and what gets me out of bed? Yep. You know? So I, that's that's the only way to make the future exciting. You know? I agree, That's man. it. That's I it. agree. Like, and I really, I really recommend to everybody out there to make the future exciting. Yeah. I, I, I recommend it in your own brain to make it exciting because guess what? It's coming. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a shitty framework for the future, that's just gonna be that's that. Have fun. Mm-hmm. I'd love to ride. I'd prefer to ride all the incredible waves of awesome stuff and and ideas and 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 horizontal integration of of mm-hmm. the Internet of Things. And yeah. I, I want to be I want to be a part of it. I want to be a contributor to it. Good. I don't want to be left behind. You know. Yeah. If if you don't contribute, you will be left behind. That's a fact, bro. Mm-hmm. That's what Big happens. To, that's what happens to businesses that don't adapt to yep. new trends. They just they ignore the trends, the market trends, and they and they're not a futurist. They don't look to the future. They don't they don't they're not looking. They, they're looking at what they want to see, not looking not at what there is, what's coming, what's actually here, yeah. and what's coming. In the, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, um, we're we're, out, we're about out of time here. Um, but before we uh, sign out here, what's uh, what do you have going on in the next couple months that you want people to know about? Well, if you are in the Quad City area, I will be performing a show at the Black Box Theater called The Last Five Years. Mm-hmm. Actually, the, the day, this day that we're recording this is my actual uh, first rehearsal. So, um, where, where is the Black Box Theater? So the Black Box Theater is downtown Moline, Illinois. I don't remember the exact address, but if you type in the Black Box Theater, Moline, Illinois, it will pop up. And I'm doing a show called The Last Five Years. There was a popular movie with Anna Kendrick and Jeremy Jordan in it that, that did pretty well. But it's a very interesting show, very unique. Um, I do love I love being on stage, and, and it's, a, it's a great opportunity for me. And then other than that, I, I plan on just focusing on the businesses that we have in the Quad Cities and trying to grow those as much as possible. Have a couple potential concerts and, and things mm. coming up that I that mm. I'm going to enjoy going to, but nothing. Th- those are those are the projects I guess I have coming up. So good. Yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna link, you know, your page mm. um, on Instagram, Facebook, and whatnot. Mm. Cool. Go ahead and check him out. Um, reach out to him for any questions about that show or any questions about anything really. Um, go listen to his podcast. He's yeah. his podcast called Pages. And hey, this it, man's on it. Adam's on, Adam's on the, the first, first episode. episode. And if you know anyone that might want to be on this show, yes. if you may want to come share your comments about the future, what you see for yourself, um, whatever you know, niche that you're in, whatever area of expertise that you consider yourself in, please reach out, comment you know, on my social media posts when I'm kind of promoting this podcast. Um, feel free to reach out. I want to talk to as many people, get as many perspectives as I can. I'm looking this looking at the future through the lens of um, individuals' lives and and getting a comprehensive idea of how it's going to affect all of us. So with that said, 
Thank you for listening, and I am signing off today on Monday. Monday. <laughs> Tuesday. Monday. Fe Monday, February 11th. Goodbye. <laughs>